Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Pastor Sarah Olson-Smith here at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Davenport, Iowa. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast today. I'm so glad to be with you. This week, we hear one of Jesus' parables. Parables are teaching stories, and Jesus is a masterful storyteller. He tells these parables to flip upside down our thinking about ourselves and the world 
to discover unexpected things about faith. There are countless interpretations and ways to make sense of these stories, and each of them is a little right and a little wrong. And somehow we keep coming back to these stories, learning again, having our expectations flipped upside down, being surprised about these parables and how they speak to us in new ways. These old stories become new as we keep learning. They keep teaching us and showing us one more thing about following Jesus and being faithful in the world. But these parables often confuse us, especially because they were told 2,000 years ago with details that don't make a lot of sense to us now. The parable I'll be talking about today is no exception. It's confusing, and mostly because of one word, which is translated talent. And as I'll talk about in my sermon, a talent is a weight of coin, a measure of treasure. So as you listen, think about each talent as being a massive amount of gold worth a fortune. And remember, this is a story full of hyperbole and exaggeration, a story to help us think about what it means to be good and trustworthy, what it means to receive and to share. So sit back and listen to this parable, this story from Jesus. It's Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus said, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. At once, the one who had received the five talents went off and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him 
and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will all have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless servant, throw him out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, here now, my reflections on this parable. In one of my dear friend's dad's basement is a box that tells his dad's life story. It's not full of photos or even their yearly Christmas letter. No, this box is full of simple, spiral-bound, lined notebooks that contains his life's numbers. Every day, for his entire adult life, Mr. M, as we called him, would write down his daily blood pressure, his weight, his caloric intake, how many hours of sleep he got the night before. Every day, he would quantify his life by these numbers. In many ways, Mr. M was a sort of early adopter of what many of our gadgets and devices help us keep track of now. Our lives are quantified and we have our data saved for us on these devices, not necessarily on spiral-bound notebooks. We can track how many hours we slept, and not just how many hours we slept, but how many times we woke up and how many of those hours were in deep REM sleep. We can track our heart rates and see how well our cardio workout went. Perhaps we're tracking how many steps we take in a day. For many people, these statistics are necessary for their health and their well-being, or they We use them to make progress towards some goal or another. But yesterday morning, we were with our new member class, and Pastor Marty was talking about obituaries. And I don't think I've ever read an obituary that is simply full of numbers, statistics. We don't read that they walked 10,000 steps every day for four years or had a resting heart rate of 102. It's not what makes up a life. Instead, we read in those obituaries about the characteristics that make a person who they are, about their relationships, about the ways their life had an impact on other people in the world. Those notebooks of Mr. M's don't tell about uh, the ways he lived with such generosity and love to his grandkids, about his dry sense of humor, his deep faithfulness to his church, or how he'd always pay for dinner, no matter how many of his son's friends were brought along. There's no way to quantify those things, the ways he lived his love in the world, the way his faith was evident in his actions. His value, the gifts of what he brought to this world, could never be boiled down to a series of numbers. So often the trouble in our lives come when we start to define ourselves by the ways we measure this sort of quantitative self. Too often our value or our worth comes from our bank account or our body size or some other number. If we accomplish some goal, how we did on that test last week or how many likes a post received, we are so much more than those things that can be determined by what is written on a spreadsheet or tracked on those machines or added up in numbers. I've been thinking about what can be measured in numbers because of that story we just heard, the story known as the parable of the talents. But those talents are not the things that you are naturally good at, 
or those beautiful things you've worked and nurtured to practice, maybe playing the violin or singing or golfing or whatever it might be, or your generosity. It's really, the story is really about money. Some translations of this story are trying to catch up our modern readers with this story about a man who have, gives five coins and then two and then one. But not even the most valuable of gold coins is quite what Jesus is getting at here. Not even a bag full of gold coins quite gets to the excessive value of what makes up a talent. In Jesus' time, a talent was a way of measuring money or mena, and this talent had significant value. And while the exact value varies from time and place, a talent would be worth about 15 years' wage, like what would be equal to hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in bags weighing at least 50 pounds apiece. It's a ridiculous amount of money, a whole lot, especially for those first hearers of these stories, the ones who followed Jesus. They were mostly poor, subsistence farmers and laborers who grew their own food and traded for most things, who carried around very few coins, had very little money. So they would have heard the story about a man who gave five talents to one of his servants and laugh at the absurdity of it. They'd think about some guy carrying five, of five bags, each weighing 50 pounds, full of coins, more than they could carry. Or they'd imagine this guy with that last talent digging a hole big enough to put that enormous amount of coins without a backhoe. It was so much, an enormous treasure bigger than they could imagine, ridiculous amounts, too much. So basically, Jesus is saying that he gave so much that it couldn't be counted, a bajillion, as my kids would say. In some ways, the point of the story is that that treasure could not be counted. It was too much, too big, so much. So in many ways, I don't think the story is about how to teach financial generosity or how each of us should use our talents and abilities for God's purpose. Though both of those readings have some truth to them and is definitely who we can be as followers of Jesus. But Jesus is talking about this person who gives in excess, comparing that person to God, how God gives with excess, an abundance that cannot be counted, numbers of billions and billions and billions. So it's not about our money or even our gifts. What Jesus is talking about here is what God gives in excess. Love, grace, mercy. Love, more than just Valentine's Day adoration you have for your sweetheart, or even the affection you feel for your kids or siblings or parents, or that appreciation you have for friends who show up for you. The love that Jesus talks about here is mercy, compassionate goodness, goodness expressed to another being. This is what God gives in abundance to this world without counting in the bajillions. Our God is not stingy. In Jesus, God gives and gives and gives and gives. God loves and loves beyond what we can count. In this story, the wealthy man leaves and entrusts this treasure to the servants And that's what happens for us. 
Jesus came and lived with mercy and forgiveness and love and then returned to heaven and said, now it's your turn. I entrust this way of mercy to you. It's yours. I give it all to you. In the story, the master doesn't give any instructions, doesn't expect a report when he's back. He just gives and trusts that his people will live well with it. And the first two do just that. They multiply that abundance with more abundance. And that's the thing with love, isn't it? That somehow the more you give, the more it grows. The more we share, the more we have. Love isn't like a pie where we, that can be divided and shared and eventually runs out into just be crumbs. Instead, the opposite happens. It grows exponentially. But that third servant was afraid and hid that treasure away. Didn't use it or share it or try to grow it. Just pretended it didn't exist, that it wasn't for him or for anybody else. And that happens, doesn't it? When we take this love and mercy that we've received from our good and trustworthy God and bury it or hide it, or keep it just for ourselves or for those who look or think or act like us. Somehow that love just gets smaller and we get smaller with it, experiencing our own kinds of loneliness or weariness or lostness. And that ending, by the way, it's also an exaggeration in this story, I think. Just like that treasure that at the beginning was way more than could be real, so too the terrible torture at the, end of, of, at the end of this parable. It's a hyperbole, an exaggeration to get a point across, a way to describe hard, how hard life can be when we deny for ourselves and for others the abundant gift of God's love and mercy and forgiveness. The thing is, like that third servant, our fear so often keeps us from loving Sometimes we're afraid of rejection or abandonment or we doubt we're worthy of love from another or for God. Sometimes we fear that a relationship or an opportunity to serve or a new thing is just too risky. It might take from our limited resources or cost us too much. We start to measure and count and so often the crazy math of love does not seem to add up. This happens, I think, when we let our lives be so defined by numbers. So many of those numbers can be lost or stolen or changed. They cannot be depended upon. Or we've been so ingrained by others that we can't free ourselves from those numbers that hold us captive. And so we cling to them in fearful inward-facing lives instead of generous outward-facing ones. But the thing is, we have this God who gives without counting the cost and forgives too many times to count and doesn't care about any of those numbers in our lives. The fear of that third servant is just imagined. It's not real and only kept him from enjoying the ex and experiencing this treasure he was entrusted with. But we've got this God who sees us as beloved and valuable and worthy worthy of God's greatest treasure.
Jesus told the story just days before his death on the cross, just days before he gave to save this whole life. Jesus did this because he saw us as worthy and didn't pay one bit of attention to our statistics and numbers. Jesus went to that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth to save us from it, to save not just the generous ones, but the fearful ones too. And knowing this good and faithful Savior is the one who defines us, we can receive that ridiculous, uncountable treasure of love that we've been entrusted with, and without fear, live that mercy and compassion in this world, confident that God will one day say to us too, well done, good and trustworthy servants. Amen. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, 
now and forever. Amen. And here now a blessing for you. May the God of all creation, who gave us everything we have and everything we are, who never stops giving mercy and love beyond our counting, move you to courageously multiply that mercy and love in the world. And the blessing of God, our Sovereign, our Savior, our Spirit, be with you today and always. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.